This is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We got a lot of stuff to discuss tonight in the sports world. So let's get into it, of course. We're going to start off with the World Series. Game 3 was earlier tonight. Uh, it looks as though the Dodgers have taken that 2-1 lead. Uh, beating, well, not necessarily beating up on the Rays, but they get the 6-2 win uh, in Game 3. For the Dodgers, they were led by uh, catcher Austin Barnes and also Justin Turner. They were both hit home runs. Uh, for Austin Barnes, he would also drive in a couple more uh, RBIs as well. Uh, Justin uh, Justin Turner would hit an RBI as well. First uh, first baseman Max Muncy would go two for four with a couple RBIs as well. And pitcher Walker Bueller. Yeah, Bueller goes for six innings, only gives up three hits, only one on run, but he gets ten strikeouts. Uh, but for the Rays, uh, Randy Arizona, Arizona, uh, sorry, Arozarena, he goes one of four with an RBI. He would also get a home run as well. Shortstop Willie Adams would hit a would hit an RBI, and pitcher Charlie Morton. Uh, it's a tale of two pitchers. Uh, uh, for Charlie Morton, he happened to have a really bad day, only going for four innings, giving up seven hits and five earned runs. And uh, that's pretty much one of the big stories of the, of the game. Uh, but a couple more takeaways. This wasn't a, a perfect game for the Dodgers, but they were clutch. Uh, they had uh, eight runners left on base by, in, by the end of the game, and they also would go 2-0-4 with runners in scoring position. But they did have five two-out RBIs, including Justin Turner's home run in the first inning. So they made up for it when they could uh, again. But, you know, they could have been a little bit better, with that being said. Uh, Charlie Morton, like I said, uh, he happened to fall apart in this game. Uh, like I said, he gave, a, uh, he gave up the seven hits and the five runs in just the four innings. Uh, but he would come into this game already 5-0 and uh, in the playoffs with an ERA of below one. Uh, so Walker Buehler uh, was the first pitcher uh, for at least he's making some playoff history as a first pitcher to strike out 10 batters in six innings or less in the World Series. And for Randy Arozarena, uh, he's making some history as well. Uh, he ties the postseason home run record with eight. Uh, he is in a special class that includes uh, Carlos Beltran and also Barry Bonds. Potential Hall of Famers, I know... I know for the case of Carlos Beltran, you can say what you want about Barry Bonds. I mean, but he is a home run hitter. So he happens to put himself within that uh, that echelon, and he's just a young player. Because, again, remember, he's a rookie. He he also broke Derek Jeter's record for postseason hits by a rookie with 23, a record that's been standing since 1996. So you got to give him that. With only just being a rookie, he's going to get better, of course. He, and he's also three hits away from at least tying the record for hits in general. Uh, and that was made by Pablo Sandoval, I believe, back in 2014. Of course, he was playing for the Giants back then. That was one of their um, even-year title runs, if I'm not mistaken. And so, again, 
you gotta give him some props there even though you know of course the rays are down uh and then here's a bit of uh, some history here's a bit of some fact uh now the game three winner of a tie series usually goes on to win that series in seven games well just win the series in general 69 percent of the time so the numbers favor the dodgers but i've seen if any team I've seen squander so much potential in the past decade, it has been the Dodgers. So, yes, the Dodgers are up now, but there's no guarantee that they, let's say, they win all out. I mean, they for the Dodgers, I mean, they're one of those teams. I've seen them, you know, years before they come in here with the best teams ever in baseball, only to lose in weird, kind of embarrassing fashion sometimes. So, I for me... I'm going to have to see them play the whole thing out. That's just my personal opinion. So we're moving on. Uh, we're going to move on to the NFL. Oh, and before I get into some um, Thursday night football, a wrap up there, I did give you. I did want to give you guys an update on my Raiders, of course. And uh, I know my Raider Nation fans is out there and is listening. And, uh, and it looks like the whole line, at least the starting old line, and Jonathan Abrams are uh, ruled out for Sunday, y'all. So... Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, the starting lineup versus Tampa Bay will be uh, at left tackle, Brandon Parker. Uh, we got John Simpson at left guard. At center, we got Andre James. And we have at the guard spot on the right side, we have Patrick Omame. And then right tackle, we got Sam Young. Um, apparently, um, according to John Gruden, he seems to be very comfortable uh, with who he has. Again, uh, seems he guys have some experience uh, with some playing time. So we got that. I guess uh, Derek Carr seems to be comfortable with these guys. I've heard him speaking in po positively of this group um, within the past week or so, just claiming that he's had so much experience with them. Um, they've had to make uh, some adjustments with the offensive line, I guess, this year and in the past in general. So they seem to be comfortable with these these starting well the starting lineup going into Sunday. So we'll just have to see. Of course, like I said before, Tampa Bay is tied for second in the league in sacks. We'll just see how it goes. And um, the Raiders, for what it's worth, have repeatedly violated the league's COVID protocols, amassing almost, I believe, about 50K in about fine, in fines for not wearing masks and proper contact, um, including a, including an uncredentialed official or, sorry, staff member uh, going into the locker room area. So, again, uh, they're fucking up, and I guess, that well, of course, they're paying for it. Of course, uh, the original case, I guess you can say case zero, was... Um, uh, Trent Brown, the starting right tackle, and of course uh, with contract uh, tracing and all that, uh, they decided to you know pretty much separate the entire offensive line from the team. And uh, according to a source, uh, Trent Brown decided to not wear his tracer. Uh, so whatever that means and all that in terms of COVID stuff. So uh, we were making some boneheaded moves, and it's starting to cost us. Hopefully. Um, it doesn't cost us too bad in this game, and hopefully, uh, for Trent Brown's sake, you know, if you know, if it's you know a serious case, he, you know, pulls through. Uh, as far as I know, it's you know, I'm hearing that he'll pull through. He should be, he should be fine. But just again, uh, for us to put ourselves out there like that doesn't make any sense. I, I just think it's a little bit sad. Oh, and another piece of football news. Antonio Brown gets signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one-year contract. As far as what I think about it, <clears throat> well, you know, Tom Brady gets another tool, another, you know, 
uh, I guess another piece. Um, I, I don't know what he brings necessarily to the table. One year removed already, you know, on the upside of 30. <clears throat> so you got that. But, I mean, if he's in shape, I mean, he seems to have the, the disposition to want to play. So I can't take that from him. So, hey, Tampa Bay wanted to make a move. They wanted an extra receiver. They got one. Let's see what it means all in the end. I don't know. Uh, but let's talk about last night's game between the Giants and the Eagles. 21-22 to was the final score uh, with the Eagles taking the win. Uh, the Eagles moved to, I think it's 2-4, 2-4 uh, and four with the one tie. Of course, the Giants are now 1-6. Uh, who really cares? The NFC East is the garbage, the garbage, the dumpster, the dumpster fire of the NFL right now. The most garbage division out there. So as far as the stats are concerned, Daniel Jones goes 20 to 30, uh, 187 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, 92 rushing yards, but uh, 82 backwards run, 82 yard backwards flop that cost him another touchdown. Uh, Wayne Goldman would have a rushing touchdown on the uh, rushing touchdown. Uh, Sterling Shepard would make his return for the Giants. Uh, getting six catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Golden Tate would have a 39 receiving uh, 39 yard rece receiving touchdown as well. On defense, the Giants uh, got help from defensive back James Bradbury. Uh, five total tackles from him as well as an interception. Uh, for the Eagles, Carson Wentz seemed to sh show some life, I guess. Uh, 25 of 43, 359 yards. Uh, two touchdowns and an interception, but he would have a touchdown on the ground as well. Uh, Boston Scott would be the leading rusher with 46 rushing yards, and he would have a receiving touchdown to add to that. Uh, tight end Richard Rodgers would have six catches and 85 yards, and wide receiver Greg Ward would bring a receiving touchdown in as well. And on defense, defensive end would get a uh, defensive end Brandon Graham would get four total tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. Uh, free safety uh, Rodney McLeod would get six total tackles and a fumble recovery. And then Jalen Mills, the, uh, the strong safety, would help uh, will help things out with an interception on his end as well. So, moving on from college football, I mean moving on from the NFL. We make, our, we make our way to the amateur side of things, yes, that being uh, college football. And uh, the big news out there, of course, is Odell Gate over there down at LSU. Uh, after an, an NCAA investigation, LSU has self-imposed penalties. This includes, uh, this includes excuse me, um, eight less scholarships uh, over the course of two seasons, also reduced uh, recruiting visits, as well as reduced in recruiting evaluations and workouts, etc. Uh, this invest this investigation delved into level three violation, which involves uh, Cleveland Browns wide receiver, of course, Old Odell Beckham Jr., which of course is why I called it Odell Odell Gate. Uh, now, after the Tigers' victory over Clemson in the national title game in January, o Odell will pass out two thousand dollars to four LSU players. Of course, these are known as improper booster benefits. My issue about this is, I, I wouldn't. I consider um, OBJ to be an alumni. I don't consider to. I don't personally consider him to be a booster. But then again, I'm not the NCAA, and I don't get to say who a booster is. But I don't feel like that necessarily is the issue. Uh, however, 
there has been some other violations that LSU has committed. And just having OBJ do what he did, uh, well, you know, of course, with giving out of $2,000 did not help matters. And it, you know, kind of just probably put the icing on the cake because again this is just a part of a larger investigation that has been conducted in baton rouge for over three years uh the lsu men's basketball team their head coach will wade offer impermissible impermissible benefits or payments to up to 11 players uh these included cash payments or these all were cash payments the investigation also found about uh found out about booster john paul fumes the ceo who provided funds to current and former student athletes and their families he would also arrange for football staff to use a private jet and he also offered internships for student athletes uh, Fumes would also plead guilty from embezzling $500,000 from his own hospital foundation to fund some of this stuff. And he has been sentenced to prison in 33, uh, sorry, certain sentenced to 33 months in a federal prison. So I guess what OBJ, OBJ did kind of just, you know, sealed the deal for LSU. I don't think it's, in my opinion, you know, looking at it, like I don't think OBJ is a booster. He doesn't have those type of, you know, he's a, he's the current player for one. And, you know, we all know the boosters tend to be uh, the well, you know, well-off, well-to-do, non-athlete, you know, in my opinion, non-athlete, uh, aristocrat. Uh, so, again, I, 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 I don't I don't see what OBJ did. Uh, was necessarily wrong, but again, with what you have, like I just mentioned before, with this John Paul uh, character, the CEO guy here, and just what happened with the LSU men's with, with the men's basketball team, LSU had just you know c committed a whole bunch of different infractions, and I think maybe for them looking at what OBJ did was just kind of like, oh, you think it's just a joke? Like maybe he didn't even know what was going on, and. You know, and I think it was on probably LSU to probably, well, I mean, but maybe who was expecting him to do all that? I mean, who knows? I mean, I mean, who really knows what he was going to do? So um, it's hard for, I guess it's hard for LSU. Uh, well, it was hard for LSU to make a call in that situation right there. But regardless of that being said, it looks like it was going to be um, some hell to pay anyway, just because of these other infractions. These are pretty serious infractions. So I, I think LSU... Um, they're going to go through their little personal infractions, but I think when the, the NCAA is done, they probably will, will put on some, some more, some more, uh, punishments as well. I wouldn't be surprised. So I'll keep you guys posted on this one. Cause I, in my opinion, um, not necessarily for the OBJ stuff, but for these other issues here, I think they should face some serious, uh, consequences for those. I think that's a, that's a, those are overreaches and clear violations of, of all type of policy and, and fair play and all type of all type of you know forms of that but moving on uh we have um oh remember what i told you guys well, we kind i kind of mentioned it before when we've been talking about this whole all these coronavirus issues um it looks like it's starting to affect the postseason and the, the ball games uh one of the major ball games uh on the west coast the holiday ball has officially been canceled uh the holiday ball has been played annually in 1978 in San Diego, um, I believe at San Diego State University. And um, it has been banned because, of course, this year, 
uh, they can be no live attendance in some of these places. I think the only place, uh, one of the few states uh, that's really allowing uh, live attendance and full attendance is Florida. Um, I don't have any numbers on how um, their numbers have changed or what you know things have, effect, have been affected there. Uh, but so far, they're the only state that's opened up things to that degree. Uh, there are no live events to that capacity in California right now. So because of that, uh, the the Holiday Bowl has decided to cancel. And this is a quote coming from the Holiday Bowl CEO, Mark Neville. While it's not the decision we wanted to make, it's the right decision for our nonprofit association and for the long term. Now, the Red Box Ball in Santa Clara, uh, that's where it's played at every year. And also the Bahamas Ball and the Hawaii Ball have also been canceled. I'm just, fig I'm just finding out about this. And I'm pretty sure, again, unless the ball game is going to be played somewhere in the south, down south, uh, like I said, probably Florida or something like that, uh, those ball games will be active and raring to go because, again, uh, the governor out there, uh, I think his first name is George, but I know his last name for certain is DeSantis. Uh, he's opened the things up. So for any postseason games being played in Florida, I think your college football playoff might be more centered down there. They'll probably go to uh, Disney World again, just like the NBA did. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Disneyland is Disney is about to get so much exposure again. I think that's what that's what college football should do. Might as well just call it a day. And um, if they want to risk it, hey, bring some people in, bring some fans in there, get some money. I guess. I mean, Florida said it's okay. They won't take that risk. Um, with that being said, we do have another piece of, of news I wanted to get into. Uh, now, Deion Sanders uh, has officially has officially been the head coach at Jackson State University, which is a historically uh, historically black college down in uh, Mississippi, uh, for I think about a month or something like that. But his deal has finally been worked out, and not only did I want to not only did I want to talk about this and kind of the impact he's already been having in terms of uh, college football, in terms of in, in terms of black. Uh, college football teams and or college football at HBCUs. Um, I also wanted to talk about kind of the widespread trend. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna say he started per se, but that they, but the trend in general that's starting to come up come about uh, amongst black athletes uh, to try to to try to hone in and recruit and uh, the best of the best. And for these these star athletes, five star, four star athletes to attend these HBCUs, um, and I wanted to talk about all that and kind of talk about what you know why it's happening and my feelings on it, or, or possibly why it's happening, and uh, my feelings on it. And again, we're gonna start off with, of course, Deion Sanders. Uh, he recently uh, finalized a deal with Jackson State for four years, uh, worth 1.2 million dollars. Jackson State, um, as well as the rest of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, has canceled all their fall sports. So uh, Sanders won't officially st start getting into work until about December uh, because they plan on bringing football back at least for the spring. We'll see how well that goes. But uh, he won't officially take over in terms of you know the operations until uh, December. But before landing in Jackson, Mississippi, Dion was an offensive coordinator at uh, Trinity Christian Academy. Um, that is where his son currently attends. Uh, he recently, uh, well, and with his recent, you know, signing and his recent, you know, hiring as a coach, he's already started to make some splashes. Uh, he recently signed a, a three-star defensive end by the name of uh, 
Razon Ross. Um, he has decided to commit to Jackson State University next year. Uh, he is the forty the forty first best defensive end in the nation, and he's also number four uh, prospect from the state of Nevada. Uh, this guy also had packed uh, offers from Pac twelve schools, including Arizona and Arizona State, Colorado as well, uh, in Colorado as well. Um, recently, uh, Jackson State University was also able to was also able to get a Mississippi State transfer uh, by the name of Javoris, Dank, uh, Javoris Selman, excuse me, at the defensive back position. So already, um, he's already attracting those, you know, some some uh, some guys from some high-profile teams, high-profile conferences. In terms of his recruiting, he's already getting those three-star athletes, you know, you know, athletes that are talked about, known, uh, nationally ranked. And I think it's a positive thing. Um, I think with the climate we are at now, um, I think it's as, as important as ever for black uh, potential uh, black student athletes to at least cons highly, I would say highly consider an HBCU and just black students in general that may want to further their education. Anybody um, of the black persuasion or the, of the diaspora or want to highly consider these schools um and not just because of of course you know Deion sanders and you know former players coming and going or you know that type of stuff but because of the quality of education in the community so um and I, and again i don't think these you know these movements are you know related per se but again this this hbcu movement has also uh, been trickling into the basketball, uh, college basketball world as well. At Howard University, uh, they recently signed one of their first five-star recruits, that being Makur Maker, during the summer. And this was his quote, I was the first to announce uh, my visit and uh, stated to others uh, to start it. Well, I started to, uh, started the dream, what if? I need to make the HBC movement real so that others will follow. So again, he he wants to recruit other highly regarded, you know, players to not just Howard University, but to HBCUs in general. And again, um, I've been following college sports for a while, uh, starting with college football at least. Um, I would say heavily in terms of stats and all the different storylines and all this at least since you know i graduated high school also college basketball as well over time um i started to get into understanding recruiting and understanding who these recruits were and the names and you know where they're coming from in terms of high schools and you know a lot of these recruits that you're gonna see um, in a lot of different years that I, you know, at least from my, you know, limited understanding of recruiting and, you know, I'm st still developing that knowledge still, but um, a, 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 the majority of kids coming out of these high schools, a lot of them will say, I want to go to a Michigan. I want to go to an Indiana, you know, because we're talking college basketball here. Um, I want to go to any big name Power Five school, of course. That being any school in the Pac-10, you know, Stanford, any school in the SEC, Florida, stuff like that. I, you know, this is the first time I've ever seen a highly touted recruit state his intentions to play for a school like this. 
I and, and again I haven't you know followed uh, recruiting in college basketball probably I would say for under you know maybe five definitely under five years I have some years of following high school recruiting in terms of football um, but you know not as deep you know experience of following just this part of you know college basketball but even in that time I I, I haven't seen a, a, a five-star player let alone a three-star nationally regarded player that's hit a magazine that's you know uh, created any type of social media or national you know media buzz in general declare something like this so I think this is definitely a step in a positive direction um, like again, this is also trickled down into other parts of college basketball as well. He's also uh, trying to recruit um, a 2023 uh, top prospect for that year, Mikey Williams, to this school as well. Uh, and another, uh, again, at North Carolina Central University, they've already made offers to uh, Zaire Wade and also LeBron James Jr. Uh, and so, again, if one of them or both of them possibly were to hypothetically join. I think we, 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 I mean, I'm not saying it changes everything right away, but you will start to see. So I think that would make a, a shift at some point. And I think it's open season, not just for uh, HBCUs, but all schools in general. And I think it would be a good thing. And I think this is what's happening, you know, again, um, you know, again, it's like again, it's not like a wildfire thing, but it's been a trickle down effect this whole summer. Uh, I know for stake you bringing in uh, junior forward JJ Matthews. Uh, he he's coming in from Arkansas State again, a big time. Uh, I would. It's not a power five school, but again, this is a nationally recognized team, a team that plays ESPN games. He's bringing that experience. Uh, he comes in there starting thirty one to thirty two games, shooting above fifty percent. 54% for that matter, during the summer at Alabama, Alabama A&M, they bring in new uh, head coach, former NBA point guard, Mo Williams. He brings in six recruits. Again, a large uh, a large recruiting class relative for a school like Alabama A&M. This includes, um, inc- this includes junior college transfer guard Latrell Tate, who averaged 25, over 25 points last year. Come on now, 25 points, Conference Player of the Year. And, of course, high school signee guard Daryl Jackson, who averaged 12 points, 6 assists, and 5 assists in his senior year for a highly rated high school program. I like it. Um, We're doing a lot. I mean, again, um, I believe one of those transfers, um, well, I, I can't remember his name here, but, again, there's I, I like I like what I'm seeing with the social media. I like what these players are doing, um, holding each other accountable, um, really encouraging each other. These I mean each other to follow this movement because it's not. I mean it's going to take more than Maku Maker by himself to turn the tide and to make these schools relevant and or just to make these schools a haven for us, another you know a hub for us in our development. And I think it's bigger than just, you know, having us just play b-ball. I think it helps for recruiting just for students in general and for recruiting, you know, and just in terms of, you know, that. Uh, because a lot, uh, some of these schools do struggle with recruiting uh, 
you know, students in general and have trouble with enrollment. So I think this would help in a lot of different ways. This would bring so many different uh, positive, ad positive avenues. So I like the HBC movement right now. I think the players should keep it to keep it going. Um, again, a player can go wherever he wants to go. A student athlete can go wherever he or she would want to go. Um, there is nothing that you know. I'm not judging nobody for that, but um, I definitely think it would uh, do a lot for HBCUs in a lot of positive ways to increase their notoriety in this way. And to, you know, hopefully, you know, bridge those gaps between us, you know, HBCUs and their community to really connect again and um, and put them and maybe put them on a map maybe one day. I'd love to see I'd love to see Howard or Morgan State play in the in an NCAA tournament. Why not? Um, who knows what could happen? You know, we've seen him do it. I mean, I'd love to see him get to an elite eight, you know, or a national the national championship round. We would love to see one of those teams cut down the net, North Carolina Central or in, uh, North Carolina A&T at one point. Who knows? I mean, and I think with college basketball being so open with so many teams, there should be parity. There should be a lot of parity uh, every year. And, I, and this is good because it creates something like that. Instead of just seeing Kansas or Memphis, and don't get me wrong, I like what, um, Penny Hardaway is doing, but again, they're such a big brand in terms of college basketball. It's always good. I mean, and with it, with it, again, as vast as college basketball is, you have to put in 64 teams just to make, you know, just for their playoffs, you know, just for March, March Madness. So I would love to see a, 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 a NCAA and T, like I said, NCA and T win one or South Carolina State just out of nowhere shock everybody, make a sweet 16. And that's what you're going to have to do to, for that to happen. So I'm really happy that these players are coming together um, and making it a social, like, more important, like I said before, I bring it up again, making it a social media movement that, you know, we can see because that's where our minds are at now. So high school kids and, and middle school guys that are playing hoops right now, instead of just saying Michigan State, instead of just saying USC, UCLA, they can go, oh, okay, Jackson State, let me look into them. Bethune Clickman, let me look into them. Let me look into their history. Let me look at why they exist. Those are all important things. I'm pretty sure all those guys that are transferring, all those guys, McCoy Maker, who's decided to sign on the dotted line, not only does he want to just play there just for the sake of basketball, he does know the history. And he does know what it means to go to HBCU on top of that. So I'm going to give him that for that too. Give him points for that too. Because you gotta, you got to respect it. All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. And um, I wanted to go over the top 25 in college football, of course. And I wanted to preview some of Saturday's action. So I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, I'll be right back. Self-made nigga, New York to L.A. nigga Game 
Let's go on back into this. We got some college football to talk about, of course. Uh, we got a new week, new week underway. Big Ten has returned, of course. Uh, last night, depending on when you're listening to this, number 15 Wisconsin uh, did big in their season opener against Illinois, uh, 45 to 17. I know in some places it might tell you Wisconsin maybe 14th. Uh, this was their first game of the season. Uh, you know, and um, North Carolina, the team right above, or it would be right behind them, depending on how you look at it, has already won three games. So, in my opinion, I know they're going to put them at number, they might put them at number 14, uh, but because of that, I, I got North Carolina at number uh, 14 with more games. They play more games in Wisconsin. So, I got Wisconsin here at number 15, but they blew the hinges off Illinois 45-7. to Let's take a look at the stats real quick. Quarterback uh, Graham Mertz uh, will go 20 of 21 with 248 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, running back Garrett Grushek will lead the Badgers on the ground with 70 rushing yards, Fullback John Chennault would have a rushing touchdown as well. Tight end Jake Ferguson and wide receiver Danny Davis would have 72 receiving yards each. Uh, Ferguson will bring in three touchdown catches. Uh, Davis would have a touchdown catch of his own. Linebacker C.J. Goetz will be the leading tackler. He would have five total, actually three total tackles, excuse me, but he would have a sack as well. And safety Tyler Toller would have an interception on top of that. Tough uh, tough game from Illinois. Uh, not much you can say for them offensively. Quarterback Brandon Peters will go 8 of 19 for 87 yards, 75 rushing yards. Uh, the leading receiver was Josh uh, Imatobebe. He would have three, uh, three receptions for 26 yards. I believe I pronounced that name right. Bear with me. And uh, the one bright spot on this team, though, and I will give them this because I thought this uh, was a pretty good performance despite uh, the overall score. But linebacker Tariq Barney, 11 total tackles from him. I believe he led all teams. Yes, he led both teams in tackles. Uh, he would get a sack, a tackle for loss, two fumble recoveries, and, of course, he would be the, the one to score the team's only touchdown. So I had to give him some props there. Good game despite uh, – good box score uh, despite – of course, uh, the final the final score. But let's move on to the top 25 rankings. Uh, we're going to start off with the newest team out here. Uh, we got Coastal Carolina debuting at number 25. Uh, they are 4-4. Four and four. Uh, This is a big turnaround for them last year. Uh, they were they finished uh, they finished last year five and seven. Uh, the last game was a victory against then ranked number twenty one Louisiana thirty to twenty seven. They are currently first in their conference, that being the Sun Belt, and they are eleventh in scoring. Uh, they average about 40 points per game, 40-plus points per game, excuse me. And quarterback Grayson McCall is the conductor of that offense. Uh, 930 pass yards from him on 67% completions. He has thrown 11 touchdowns, only one interception. And he also has 184 rushing yards as well and three touchdowns. Running back C.J. Uh, Marbell is the leading rusher on that team with 263 yards and four touchdowns. And wide receiver uh, Javion. Uh, I think that's Aliyah or uh, 
Halilay. I can't. I don't know how to pronounce that one. My bad, y'all. Twenty uh, twenty receptions on the on um, on the year for him for three hundred and twenty seven uh, three hundred and twenty seven yards and four touchdowns. At number twenty four, we have USC. I don't know what to say about them. They haven't played a game yet. I personally don't believe these unranked these all well, these teams that haven't played a game yet should be up here. That includes my Oregon Ducks, but that's just me. Um, at number 22, you have Marshall. They are still undefeated at 4-0. At number 21, we have Minnesota. They have not played a game yet, but they will be in action tomorrow. Uh, well, today, technically. At number 20, we have Kansas State. They are 3-1. At number 19, we have Virginia Tech at 3-1. Uh, Virginia Tech is up three spots from last week. Uh, they are second in the nation with running, uh, in terms of rushing, excuse me, running back uh, Khalil Herbert has 502 rushing yards so far and five touchdowns, and he currently leads the nation uh, with 148 rushing yards a game. The Hokies, uh, they pretty much are a running team. That's what they do. They run it up the gut. Uh, they run the ball 68% of the time. That's what they do. This week, they'll be facing 2-2 two and two Wake Forest. I think for a team like this, I think they should be able to pull that one out. I don't know what what uh, the Deacon Demons pose, what threat they pose to this team at all just yet. But we'll have to see any given Saturday, right? Moving on to number 18, we have a team that hasn't played yet, Michigan, but they will be in action soon. At number 17, we have Iowa State. They are 3-1. and one. At number 16, we have SMU. They are 5-0. They have a big matchup this weekend that we will be talking about in just a little bit. At number 15, like I said before, we have Wisconsin. Uh, they played their first game tonight. Um, of course, you'll see them in some places ranked number 14. I will give that spot to, again, like I said, uh, North Carolina. They happen to have three games under their belt. Uh, with that being said, they. Uh, with that being said, this is a drop uh, from nine spots uh, from last week. And uh, this was because of a loss, 31-28 to at Florida State. We all know that Florida State, I've talked about them earlier this year, or earlier this summer. They're not that good. Um, they're in some dire straits right now as a program, but they were able to knock off UNC, and it was a bad look. Florida State uh, would lead the entire game despite being held scoreless in the second half by the Tar Heels. And after cutting lead to just three, the Tar Heels would fail to convert on a fourth down late in the fourth quarter. So uh, Florida State did just enough to pull out an upset, and it was enough to cost the Tar Heels dearly. Uh, I think they still have Notre Dame possibly on that schedule. Also Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they play all in the same conference. I don't know if it gets any any, easy, any easier for them. They should have got that one, honestly. Um, Florida State was uh, supposed to, hey, I'm not saying that you roll over and die if you're the Seminoles, but again, UNC should have probably won that game to help them out this year. But at number 13, we have Oregon 0-0. Zero zero. As much as I love this team, they have not played yet. I don't have anything to say on them just yet, except for that they've uh, had a, rude, a good recruiting class. We're just going to have to see what that means come Come time to play. That's all I'm going to say on that so far. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, overhype my team. I know a lot of fans of teams like to over over analyze and overhype. I won't do that. I keep it too real. At number twelve, uh, we have BYU here. They're still undefeated. They're five and zero. At number eleven, we have four and one Miami. We finally cracked uh, cracked the number ten spot. Uh, we have Florida here at two two and one. I just think they're overranked here. They're there just for Florida and or Georgia to pick off uh, for another 
quote-unquote highly ranked opponent to solidify why the SEC is so worthy of a playoff spot. They're just there just to be there, in my opinion. I, again, Florida hasn't shown me anything uh, to be a, a playoff-worthy team. That's just me. Uh, number nine, we have Cincinnati here. Of course, like I said, uh, they have a big-time matchup this weekend with SMU. I'll be talking about that in just a second. At number eight, we have Penn State. This is a game that uh, this is a team that hasn't played anybody just yet, but they do have their season opener coming up later on today against Indiana. Are they on the cuffs? Uh, between 2014 and 2016, head coach James Franklin took over, and uh, well, at least in 2014, it would lead the Mitney Lions to a 7 and 6 record. Uh, but for the next two years, they would average over eight wins, making the conference championship in 2016. And for the last three seasons, uh, Penn State has averaged 10 or more wins, uh, with 11 wins last season and a Cotton Ball win. And he also finished in the top win in the top 10. Um, they are still winless against Ohio State, in which they are zero and three. So the question is for Penn State: um, Are they on the cuffs? I think they've already been. The question to that is. Yes, the question is, do they break through? Uh, that's the biggest question right now, and they have to beat Penn State in order to do that. I'm not 100% sold just yet. Again, I haven't seen any of these uh, teams play just yet. We'll start to see as the season goes along. Uh, but with that being said, if the Mitney Lions can get past Ohio State, not only do they win the Big Ten, they also put themselves in prime position uh, to win uh, the uh, to win it, well, not to win the the playoffs, but to have a, a spot within the playoffs. Uh, moving on to number seven, we have Texas A&M. I believe again another overrated SEC team, uh, just there to be cannon fodder for Alabama and to just propel Alabama with another highly touted quote unquote uh, conference win. Uh, I again, I, I'm just saying SEC outside of Alabama and whatever. Georgia has to offer every now and again. Of course, you'll have Auburn and or LSU become a really good team every now and again. They're a flash in the pan. Auburn and, and LSU are flash in the pans at best. Mississippi State, trash. Ole Miss, trash. Kentucky, bleh. Vanderbilt, trash. Uh, if we're keeping it real, Florida, iffy. Iffy AF. Again, SEC is top top heavy overrated just getting it off my chest i'm not gonna stop beating it beating it though uh oh oh, oh we have at uh sorry the number six see i got so distracted at number six we have oklahoma state they are three and oh do i think they are deserving of this spot i think what you have going on with the big 12 right now um i think the committee just wants to pretend like they're like they're like looking at the Big 12 and they're trying to take them importantly. They just want somebody there to be kind of near the, the running so they can look like, you know, they're doing their job. The committee is like looking out for other teams. I think they 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 feel like I feel like the committee is obligated to put an SEC team in there, obligated to put like an ACC team in there, obligated to put a, a Big 10 team in there. And they kind of just flip flop on whether or not they want to put a Big 12 or a Pac 12 team in the playoff. That's just what I feel from the committee. 
Um, as far as Oklahoma State, are they deserving of what's going on? Their conference is in shambles, in my opinion. Oklahoma, as you can tell, is not ranked. Texas is not in the top 25. Texas Tech, Texas Tech plays no defense. They can't stop nobody. Uh, we've already seen Iowa State give up a, a, a loss to an unranked team earlier this year. Um, in the upset, we got Kansas State. They are in the top 25. I will give them some props. Uh, however, you got Kansas that is probably never going to win anything again. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but again, they're the best of all that. What does that mean in terms of what's going on in the big picture? I, I don't think this team is a a playoff team. That's just. I think they're just one of those teams outside looking in. That's just my opinion. Up next, we have Georgia. Like I said, they're just cannon fodder for Alabama in the uh, the SEC title game. Uh, they're just highly ranked now. So again. When Alabama beats them in the inevitable conference championship game, because again, Florida ain't that great. Uh, so we know Georgia's, it's, it's the same old thing we've been seeing for the past two or three years. Georgia goes to the SC championship game. They've been riding high. Maybe just one loss. Maybe coming to the game undefeated. This game, of course, they're going to have that one loss. And I'll, you know, and, and the media is going to ride. They're going to go, yeah, Kirby Smart, defense, defense that. They've played so many times. He knows so much about Nick Saban. Will this be the, will this be the end? No, they get blown out by two or three touchdowns. I expect for that to happen, and since their ranks already so high, Alabama gets a high-touted win, and again, they hold on to whatever playoff spot that they got, barring they don't lose themselves two games. If they if Alabama loses one game, we all know they're still going to be in the mix. So let's not play. Let's not be silly here. And number three, we have another highly overrated team here, and uh, I know I'm, 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 I might be riling up some fan bases, but okay. Come after me, bro. Oh, Notre Dame, get out of here. 4-0, I don't buy it. No wins over teams in the top 25. I personally saw that game against Louisville on, on you know, full game, highlights, whatever. 12-7 win, ugly game, nothing to be inspired by. Honestly, I do not see them beating Clemson. If they beat Clemson, uh, Notre Dame fans, if you hear this, hit me up in the DVMs or something. On, on Facebook or Instagram, I'll do something crazy for you guys. Maybe I'll bet one of you guys on it. I, I don't. I I don't see this team beating on Clemson. Sorry, fam, not gonna happen. I will give you this. They have a really solid defense, number four in the nation, only giving up 11 points a game. But they're not playing. They're playing nobodies. Louisville unranked. Uh, with that being said, they only put 12 points on that Louisville team. Uh, who do they play? Duke. Duke is not. Ever rank Duke is nobody. Uh, so again, I'm not giving them no props. They have one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the top 25, Mr. Ian Brooks. Sorry, 61.5% completion percentage. Ain't going to cut it. 179 yards a game. Only three touchdown passes. Yeah. No. You want to know his average average touchdowns per game? He doesn't average a touchdown a game. There's games where he hasn't thrown a touchdown. Get the fuck out of here, fam. There's multiple games where he's thrown no touchdowns. Notre Dame, stop, stop dreaming. Get out of get out get out of that old school. No, I don't look. Whatever it is, we all be tripping about. Y'all need to stop overrating yourselves. Y'all not doing shit, and they put you here. Why? Because more than likely because of your brand name and you and you have your ACC affiliations. Outside of that, your team. Boo! Trash.
donkey. Okay, number two and number one, no real changes here. We already know these guys. Alabama at number two, 4-0. Clemson at number one, 5-0. Clemson, I feel like between the two teams is more capable of going undefeated because the ACC is boo-boo, including Notre Dame. Um, yeah, so... Alabama, they may face a couple tests. There, I mean, it may be a chance that Kirby Smart pulls off a shocker and knocks him off this year. But, I mean, come on. It's the same thing every year. That's the one thing about college football. Oh, Alabama, Clemson, the same thing past five, six years. Starting to get boring. It's like the WWE and fucking John Cena. And then they had Triple H for how long become champions. Boring. Yeah, it's like Bama is like Triple H and like fucking Clemson is John Cena right now. That's what it is. It's boring. I hate to say it. It's kind of boring. I don't like looking at those teams all the time. Again, yes, they're good. Yeah, whatever. They recruit well, whatever. But it's it, it's to be the same thing. It's a little old for me. I love college football like a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I just get really bored watching the same team sometimes. Anyways, I'm not just going to go just batting and bashing them or whatever, but I'm going to call it a wrap for tonight. My next episode, I'll be going over uh, the last of the presidential uh, debates, of course, Biden versus Trump. Uh, also, I'll be talking about Ice Cube and his, uh, yeah, his uh, contract with the Republicans. Yeah. And why people are mad about this when we've already known he defected to them. Yeah. I said it. Um we just gonna call it a raffle tonight. I will be in the in the in the wings working on that. I'll be back pretty soon with that. So y'all keep an eye out for that. If you're looking to keep in touch with me, of course you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Ljamal seven ninety one for Instagram, E L J A M A H seven nine one for the Instagram and for Facebook, L Jamal, E L J A M A H. Of course, you can follow me on uh, YouTube as well. Please make sure you like those videos, subscribe if you like, uh, take a look at them for me. Uh, of course, all that helps out. Never out of bounds is the name there, just like the name of the podcast. Nothing different. All right, y'all. I'm calling a wrap for tonight. I will be back soon. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. I'll holla at y'all later.